out and turn to Matthew chapter 6, and, um, and let's get right into uh, uh, the Word of God. The Lord is bringing breakthrough in our lives and teaching us how to overcome, overcome strongholds, lies, deception, sin, whatever, things that might be holding you down and keeping you from becoming the person God created you to be, keeping you from fulfilling your purpose, keeping you from from growing into more Christ-like character, the Lord is giving us victory over these things. The Lord has been giving us specific insights, specific wisdom of how to get breakthrough in these areas. And uh, what we've learned is that, number one, I love that we were singing it uh, just a few minutes ago. We were singing, we have that victory in Christ already, right? He has paid for our freedom. Not only has Jesus uh, purchased our forgiveness, but he has purchased our freedom And yet we've been looking at, and we primarily were looking at Romans at the beginning of this series, we were looking at the fact that we still have this old man, even though we're new creation in Christ Jesus, we're walking in the Spirit, we still have this old person, what the Bible calls the flesh. And so despite the fact that there's this battle, a real spiritual battle going on, not just demons, not just the influence of the world, but there is a battle going on in me, right? There's a battle going on inside of every Christ follower, it's the battle between do I walk in the Spirit, in, my, in the newness of, of who I am in Christ, or do I go back to my old ways of thinking, old habits, old ways of talking? And what have we been learning? We can overcome that. We can get freedom. We can gain victory. We can overcome in that battle. How? By rituals, religion, legalism, condemnation, beating ourselves up, striving, right? Yeah? Wait, am I in the right church? No, I'm joking. No, of course not. We've we've been learning from the Word of God that none of those things work. No, it's Jesus' power as we do what? Trust Him. Amen? That really, it's not about works. It's not about earning anything. It's about learning how to trust Him and to walk in the Spirit. And so that's what we've been learning. We've been learning that it's His power that sets us free. And so, uh, last week we we took a look at how to overcome anger. Remember that? How to overcome anger. Well, today, the Lord showed me He wants to give a victory, give breakthrough in the area of anxiety, worry. Such a common thing for us to struggle with, and yet something the Lord does not want us to struggle with. Sometimes we think anxiety is just a normal kind of emotion, but it's, it's not something that is in the kingdom of God. It's not something He wants in us. So the Lord wants to release freedom today in the area of anxiety. And you'll remember, just to make sure you guys are Uh, understand where we're going, is that we're looking at three things, you'll remember. That when we're looking at how to overcome, the Lord takes from the truth of His Word and sets us free, right? And how does He do that? Number one, He exposes the lies, right? Every sin or every uh, broken emotion is rooted in a lie that we believe about God. And so number one, the Lord wants to take us into the truth of His Word, into the Scriptures, which is a light for us, right? Shines a light, and He exposes the lies that we believe. Number one, right? Number two, he wants us to discover the truth of who we are in Christ. It's his promises, and it's who we are in Christ that's going to set us free now that we're a new creation. And number three, he wants to give us strategies. The commands and the principles in the Word of God are not there uh, just to make us do things that we don't want to do, right? No, the commands in the Bible are for our good. God has given us strategies in the Word of God so that we can come out of those things and into His fullness. So three things that I've been showing you that all we need to do is go into the Word of God and find 
that lie, that truth, and that strategy. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit gives us revelation. And then we, we take those things and we walk in the Spirit. You remember the five C's? That we consider who we are in Christ. That means taking the truths and the promises and considering, believing that's who I am. Then we confess. That means taking those lies and confessing it as sin, as lies. And saying, Lord, I repent. I confess that that's a lie. Then cut those things off. Cut off those wrong ways of talking. Cut off those wrong ways of thinking. And so we need ways, as we walk in the Spirit, to set those things aside and not let sin reign in our mortal body. Not let it boss us around and push us around and bully us, but really find ways to get that stuff out. Number three, consecrate. That means taking those strategies, those commands in Scripture, and saying, you're my Lord, and I'm going to do those things in obedience. And as we consecrate and just work those strategies out, We'll see freedom. And then lastly, crying out to God. So we saw that this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. That if you're walking in the Spirit, you're doing these things. You're considering who you are in Christ. You're crying out to the Lord. You're confessing sin. You're consecrating your heart to the Lord. You're cutting off those wrong habits. That's what you're doing. Not works, right? Not trying to earn it. But what? This is what it looks like to trust Jesus. This is what it looks like to say, Lord, not me, but who you are in me. Not my power, but your power. Not my ways, but your ways. This is what it looks like to depend upon the Lord. So let's take a look at that, right? Let's take a look at what, is it, what does the Lord want to do to free you from anxiety? What are, what are the lies that are underneath that anxiety or that worry? And what's the truth that's going to set you free? And what are some strategies the Lord has for you, okay? So let's ask the Lord to do that. So Father, we ask today that you would... Take the truth of your word like a sword and cut away the things that are not of you and release the power of God into us to walk in freedom from anxiety and to walk in the fullness of the peace of God in our hearts and our minds. And so, Lord, even as the word goes out, speak to your people. Give us revelation and release the peace of God into the hearts and minds of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about this issue of worry. And he nails it on the head, of course, as, uh, as he always does. And you'll find that as we look at the passage, he exposes these lies and he gives us strategies to walk in right there in this passage. And so we'll start off, we'll really, we'll start off in verse 25. And we'll read a number of verses here, really down probably to 30. 30-something, 32. All right, so here we go. Verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the 
grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus would spend... That many verses, or I, I should say the, the authors of the Bible, would take that many verses to, to hear Jesus talk about this issue of anxiety, isn't it? It's such a prevalent issue in so many of our lives, isn't it? I don't know about you, but so much of my early Christian life, which was also my early adult life, to be honest with you, so it probably went hand in hand, I was, my dominant emotion would be things like anxiety and worry. I mean, that's how I... I don't think I knew it then, but if I, when I look back, as God has set me free, I think, man, I think pretty much I just had anxiety all the time, worrying. It's a very interesting emotion, actually, anxiety, it's really like that ambiguous emotion. It's kind of like the, just like the, it doesn't have almost like its own definitive like boundaries or definition. It just is anxiety. And the reason why is because anxiety is rooted in not knowing. We're anxious because we don't know and because we can't control. What we're anxious about is about something in the future that you have no control over and that you can't define. Right? That's really what anxiety is. That's where that emotion's coming from. And so, so many people, we struggle with anxiety because we don't know. You don't know if you have enough money to pay the bills. You don't know what you're going to do after you graduate. You don't know if, if or when you're going to get married. But you long for that, right? You don't know what your calling is or your purpose is. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if there's going to be some catastrophe or some problem at work. And so every once in a while, some, something will happen, right? Like, oh no, I might lose my job. Or, oh no, uh, something bad might happen. Or, or you get that pain and you think, oh no, maybe I have a disease. Or, oh no. And, and, and all of a sudden that anxiety comes, right? You know, like the, like the mom. Like the mom who, who, who's driving in her car. And just has a panic attack because of a fear of death. It's like oh, all of a sudden her mind starts playing, playing games with her, and all of a sudden she's thinking, you know, this could happen, this could happen. Maybe she starts imagining her kids, something bad happened to her kids. And, oh, she has a panic attack right there while she's driving. Or what about the person who, who's never really secure in their job and they just can't sleep, right? Or the student who doesn't know what they're going to do when they graduate. And so day after day, night after night, they just can't sleep. Their mind's going. They're playing out all the scenarios. They're just trying to figure things out, and they just can't seem to get to sleep. Or the husband who never comes home until super late, works like crazy, 
over, right, over, maybe even seven days a week because that, he's afraid not have enough money or afraid of, you know, losing his position or something like that. So he's, he's going over and above out of this fear of poverty or something like that. Anxiety. It really, it's one of those motions that really eats you up, doesn't it? It eats you up, and sometimes, like I said, some people are just anxious all the time about money, about the future, about relationships. Other people, it can come on every once in a while, right? Something's going on, a certain season of your life, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh no, what am I going to do? And this anxiety can come, this worry. And yet it's interesting, isn't it? The Lord says, don't worry, don't worry. That word worry is in, in the Greek, it refers to something going on in our minds. It means to be double-minded, divide, have a divided mind. It means that there's like two things going on in your mind. You know, what's going on a lot of times when you're worried is you can't be fully present to the Lord. Because your mind is off in all these other places. Your mind's not focused on the Lord, you're not focused on His truth, you're not focused on... On him, your mind's all over the place, right? Do you remember that story with Martha? Mary and Martha? Jesus heads over to Mary and Martha's house. He sits down, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing the word of God, right? She's allowing herself to be influenced by the truth of God's word. What's Martha doing? Running all over the place, trying to get everything ready. And she's mad that Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's stressed, she's worried, and she's mad. That Mary isn't. He has something about stress and worry. We're always mad when other people are relaxed, right? When other people to be stressed like we are. And you notice what Jesus says? Martha says to Jesus, hey, this is in Luke 10, hey, why don't you tell Mary to help me? Right? Because we like to boss Jesus around. (laughs) Why don't you tell Mary to help me? And and, And Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things. I'll tell you, worry will take you out of intimacy with God. Worry will keep you from fellowship. It'll keep you from hearing the word, maybe even sitting here right now. But you're thinking, well, maybe I got your attention, but most of the time, maybe you come to church and you are so worried about stuff going on in your life, your finances, you can't even hear the word of God that would set you free. The worry will keep you from from connecting with God, will keep you even from connecting with Him through prayer. And so people, a lot of times, they'll give up. They'll give up on fellowship. They'll give up on hearing the Word. They'll give up on on prayer because it's not working. No, that's not the problem. It's the worry. Your mind's divided. Your mind's going all over the place. And a lot of times, people who have this stronghold with worry is they seek to control. They, they want to control. They want to control their future. They want to control other people. They want to control their finances. But let me tell you something. You can plan and plan and plan. You can be the best planner. And you can be successful with money. But here's the thing. You will always be worried. Because it will never be enough. Because there will always be an unknown. If you have to have everything known and everything controlled, Before you'll not be worried, you will always be worried. I'll show you why.
you look there in Matthew 6, just back up a little bit from verse 25. And right before verse 25, right before Jesus mentions, hey, don't be worried, right? He says in verse 25, don't be worried. Don't let your mind go in all these different directions. You ever try to talk to somebody who is like really anxious and thinking about other stuff, right? They're not present to you, are they? Yeah, I, I know that. Like, you know, Michelle's talking to me, and I'm like, what, what, right? Or I know sometimes when she's going through something, talking to her, and it's like, where are you, you know? That's what I mean. If you've ever talked to somebody, they're mine somewhere else, right? That's a divided mind. Jesus says, don't, don't be like that. Look at this. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which means stuff, things, money. Then he says, therefore, don't be worried. Don't be worried about your food. Don't be worried about your clothing, because life is more than that. But here's the thing that we need to expose about worry. Is it's rooted in an unbelief or a distrust about God. And what worry is really rooted in is that someone or something other than God is your provider. So no matter how hard you work, and no matter how much you plan, and no matter how much you make, you will always be worried. Because unless God is your provider, there's no peace. Because in this life, there will always be uncertainties. In this life, in this world, in this broken world, there will always be lack. In the kingdom, there's no lack. <clears throat> and so really what's going on is that someone or something else is your provider. Either money's your provider, or you're living to please people, or somebody else is defining your identity or your value. Or your own effort is your provider. Or you trust in your ability to control things or control people or control situations and plan things out and plan your future out. But what I'm saying is it will always bring anxiety because God is not your provider, your source. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's inviting people out of a place of worry and into a place of rest where they trust the Lord. He's exposing the lie behind anxiety and he's inviting people into the truth about God. It's very interesting, very interesting, I think, that Jesus links covetousness, greed, and the love of money with worry. See, worry is far more a problem in the church than we really want to recognize. Because, do you notice a couple verses later, and this is part of the strategy, of course, but he says, he says, the Gentiles seek after all those things, food and clothing and all that. But God knows you need it. And then he says, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Seek first. You know what worry really does? Because God is not your provider, you won't seek first the kingdom. 
See, this is what's really interesting to me about worry. Worry's not necessarily a sin. But oh boy, let me tell you, more people do not give to God their time, their money. More people will say to God, when I'm older, I'll serve you. When I'm retired, then I'll do it. When I make enough money, then I'll do that, God. When I get secure, then I can give to you. Then I'll tithe when I get financially there. So many people, because our identity or our provider is in time. Well, I don't have time to spend time with God. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to be at church. I don't have time to, to serve. Why? Why don't you have time? Because you're worried. Because you're worried and you're trying to control everything, right? You're the one trying to orchestrate your time. You're the one trying to get everything lined up, make it perfect. And you're the one who thinks, well, if I'll put more time into this, if I'll put more time into that, that'll be my provider. If I put more time into this, I'll find value and I'll find success in that thing. See, this is the thing that Jesus is trying to get at, is that worry is rooted in someone else as your provider. Worry is rooted in trusting something else. And therefore, because you trust something else, you will always go to that thing and not seek first the kingdom. Make sense? Kind of quiet, but you know. Amen! Come on, give me an amen over here, right? So, here's what Jesus does. This is why he's brilliant. He brings us right back to the Father. And he brings us right into the kingdom. And he says, you guys, don't be worried. Come here, come into the Father's house. Come into the kingdom. Let me tell you what our dad is like. So here's the truth. So if our worry and our anxiety is about these things that we, don't, we can't control, things about in the future, things about money and such, notice what Jesus does. He says to them, don't be worried. He says, don't be worried. In verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. What is he doing? It's really not that complicated, is he? Is it? All he's doing is saying, wait a minute, don't forget who your dad is. See, the truth that will set you and I free from worry is that God is your provider is that He cares about you, that He knows your needs, and that He will be with you no matter what. Here, notice what He says? He says, they don't even sow or reap. They don't even sow or reap. What, what's He alluding to? He's alluding to our own efforts. He's not saying, don't be diligent. He's not saying that, but He's saying, you're putting all your trust in Working hard, working hard. Well, I got to do this. I got to be wise. I got to sow. I got to sow. He's saying, look at those birds. They don't even do that. They're lazy. They sit on the trees and sing all day. But your father feeds them. He's trying to break that trust in something else. He's trying to break that, "Mm, my trust is in my work or my effort. My trust is in myself. My trust is in the economy. My trust is in these things. And he's trying to say, listen, listen, your dad, he's your dad. 
He knows what you need. He cares about you. I love it. I love the phrase when he says, um, at the end of verse 26, when he says, your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not of more value? I love that. He's like, he takes care of birds who are not made in his image. How much more does he care about you that he purchased you with his own blood, right? He created you in his own image. He purchased you with his own blood. He loves you, wants a relationship with you, created you for a purpose. And here you are, you're in the kingdom, you're in the Father's house. You are of infinite value. And he says, look how he takes care of birds. How much more is he going to take care of you? Do you see what? what's going on? Now here's what's going on here. This is truth, right? This is truth. If my heart does not resonate with the truth of God's Word, who has the problem? The Word or me? You can say it. It's me. Just say you, Dave. It's you, Dave. Yeah, that's right. I'm saying it's you. Thanks for helping me, Thomas. Appreciate that. If my heart doesn't resonate with the truth of God's Word, then who, who's the problem? Not the Word. Amen? The truth is, God really cares about you, and He really is your dad, and you have infinite value. The problem is not the Word. Your feelings, your emotions, like anxiety, follow your thoughts. They'll follow your faith. They're like the dashboard of your car, right? You're driving down the street and you see the light turn on and it says, hey, you're on E. You know you got to go get some gas, right? What's it telling you though? The light is just the indicator of what's going on underneath the hood or in this case, if it's the gas light, you know, back there underneath the car in the tank. And all it's telling you is, hey, you need to take account of this. Worry or anxiety is simply the indicator. The light goes on and says, yo, you need to check your engine. You need to check your heart. And in this case, with anxiety, you need to check where your faith is at. You need to check where your thoughts are going. See, look, look, look at what he says. I love it when he hits, he, hits the, he hits the issue right on the head when he says this. In verse uh, 30, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See it right there? That's it. It's, so, it's really very simple. The moment my thoughts, the moment my thoughts start going down a, a train of thought that says, well, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if God is going to come through. I don't, I don't know, what if this, what if that, what if, what if God doesn't come through, what if this, what if that, what, right? Oh, but, 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 right? And it, see, that's literally what, uh, in James chapter 1, it means to be double-minded. If you remember in James chapter 1, he says a double-minded man is one who, it literally means to have two souls, right? I mean, two minds. Again, this idea of just being divided. And he says it's like a person just tossed back and forth by the wind and the wave. Double-minded, unstable in all of their ways. And literally what it is is that you're like, oh, I believe God. I believe God. I believe His promise. I know, I know it says He loves me, but... Well, I mean, I know God, no, God's my provider, but, but what if? And it means that part of you yeah, believes the word, but the other part of you doesn't. The Bible says that person is unstable. And that person should not suppose that they'll receive anything from the Lord. 
And the Lord, that's what the Lord's trying to get us to do here. He's trying to say, you need to trust me. You need to trust my word. Do you see what's going on? So worry is linked to someone else being my provider. That needs to be exposed, right? That, that lie, that, that root issue needs to be exposed and confessed and repented of. And then it's the shift the Lord is inviting us into to say, make the Lord your provider. Make the Lord your God. Serve Him and not money. It's inviting us to shift and put our trust in Him. Because here's what happens. Like I said, if you have to know before you'll have, before you'll not be anxious, you'll, you'll always be anxious, right? But here's what happens. When you trust the Lord in the midst of the mystery, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of apparent lack, you trust Him, you'll find peace in that place. As long as you won't, as long as you have to have the answer before you trust Him, you'll always be worried. Remember Jesus in the boat? What's He doing during the storm? Sleeping. Right? Sleeping. Why? He knows who his God is. There will always be mystery in this life. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And when you're waiting on God, for example, to bring that spouse or to speak to you or to direct you into your calling or your career, there will always be questions. And if your trust is in knowing and controlling and planning. No matter how much effort we put into our finances, you're going to get hit with like that bill or something, you know? You're going to get hit with stuff. And the question is, do you trust the Lord? Can you sleep in the storm? You can only sleep in the storm if you trust Him. Can you thank Him before the financial provision comes through? Can you sleep in the storm before it gets calm? Can you trust the Lord in the wilderness before you get into the promised land? See, if you can't thank Him and trust Him now, when you actually get the breakthrough, you won't enjoy it. That's what I found. I remember one person, I've watched, I watched this one person, and I think they learned the lesson after a while, but literally they would worry and complain. And then God would come through financially. To the cent. It was insane. Like God does that for people who are struggling in their faith because he's just a gracious God. But he wants to show you like, I know what you need. So literally I'd watch this person worry and even complain. You know, people get mad at God and God waits to the last minute and provides to the cent for this person. But guess what happens the next time? Because they didn't thank him before. And sometimes, unless we repent, right, of unbelief before the provision, like, oh, God, of course you know my needs. That's why you could pay to the cent. He doesn't do that that way every time, but it's just some things he does sometimes, right? So I'd watch it happen two, 
three times with the same person. You go right into a place of worry, last minute, boom, to the cent, God would provide. For him, it's a, it was a business. To the cent. I honestly was like, hey, are you catching on here? Right? I've watched somebody, I've watched the Lord heal the same individual of three different sicknesses, like the one was a, a, a or a three different uh, physical pains, I guess it wasn't actually a sickness, it was physical pains. And I was like, hey, you catching on? Are you catching on yet? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, the Lord will provide for you, and the Lord will come through for you time and time again, but are you catching on, right? Do you remember the Israelites? Come on, plague after plague after plague, they walked right out of Egypt with a boatload of money. Nobody is sick. They're walking through the wilderness. God splits a Red Sea open, and they get to, they're like, I'm thirsty, right? Right after the Red Sea was split open, they're in the wilderness, and they're, we're so thirsty, there's no water, we're going to die. And, and Moses cries out to God, and God says, hey, there's a, um, oh, there was, a, there was a, a little like oasis there, but the water was bitter. God said, hey, throw this stick in there. He throws a stick in there. The water becomes sweet. Everybody drinks. Do, do you think they would learn? God can do whatever he wants. But what do they do the next time? Complained. And the next time? Complained. And blamed God and and accused him of wanting to kill them. Did they learn? See, God will continue to provide for you because he loves you. But the question is, you won't experience peace. You won't be satisfied until you trust in the midst of the trial. In the midst of the waiting, the mystery, the not knowing. Amen? See, this is the strategy. This is the strategy. Let me just bust out a few verses for you, give you some strategies here. Look at, look at this. I'll give you a few of them here. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Listen to the promise. And the peace of God, will, which surpasses all understanding, excuse me, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen, listen. Be anxious for nothing. Is that a command? Yes. That's called a strategy. Don't ever think of that like, oh, I'm such a sinner. Say, thank you, Lord. There's obviously an answer right there. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a breakthrough right there for me. He invites you into not being anxious, and he gives you the exact strategy to follow. Listen, with prayer and supplication, but with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What is that? That means in the midst of the storm, thank you, Lord, that you will protect me. You'll get me to the other side. That means in the midst of the mystery, I don't know. I don't know why this is happening. Some people, they don't trust God. They get mad at God because they don't know why these trials are happening to them. And then they sometimes will come and say, why is this happening? And I will say, I don't know. It could be the devil. Probably is. Is he trying to test me? Maybe. We know that God's not trying to hurt you. But... Why is this thing happening? I don't know. But I do know one thing. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I do know another thing. The Lord is with you, even in the valley of the shadow of death. I do know 
what the word says. But I don't know. I don't know. Like Job. Like Job. Why is this happening to me? I, I, I don't know. He never found out the answer, did he? Did he? But he never cursed God, and he realized he was wrong, and he repented. He trusted the Lord before he was healed. And then what did God do? Healed him. He didn't know why. God never told him. The devil did that to you. He didn't know. He didn't know. He never found out why. If you have to know why before you'll trust God, you'll continue to live in that place. What is, what is Philippians 4 inviting us into? Thank him. Thank you, Lord, that you will provide all my needs according to riches and glory. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against me shall power. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just bring this to you. Do you remember what 1 Peter 5 verse something says? It says, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Right? What's the truth that will set you free when you believe God is with you and he values you and cares for you and knows your needs like Jesus was talking about? But what do you need to do? What's the strategy? Literally, cast your cares upon him. Cast your cares upon him. It means sometimes you just got to let it go. Sometimes you just need to say, Lord, I have no idea how this is going to work out. You can only do so much. You can be diligent, you can work hard, you can ask and pray, but there's only so much you can do. You cannot control your future. If, if, let's, let's talk about farming. You can sow the seed, you can water the seed, you can cultivate the ground, you can prune your trees, you can do all that, but you cannot make fruit come out of a tree, and you cannot make vegetables grow from a plant. No, that is, that is the natural thing that God has embedded into creation, right? It's the same thing in the kingdom. You can obey God, but you can't like make this stuff happen. You've got to trust the Lord that his word will not return void to you. That as you believe his word and stand on his word, he will be faithful to what he said. And that takes waiting, like farming. And it takes work and it takes diligence. So thankfulness, did you see what that does? Thankfulness releases the peace of God into your mind and into your heart. Think about that for a second. If anxiety is like having double-mindedness and you just can't think clearly and you just can't focus and stuff, I'm telling you, when you begin to thank the Lord, peace comes into your mind. Peace guards your mind and brings clarity to your thoughts. Now you can actually begin to think creatively. A lot of times what's actually hindering us from coming up with solutions to our problems is that we're so freaked out we can't even think straight. Does that make sense? I'm sure some scientists can prove that. But I know it's true. We're so freaked out we can't even think creatively or hear God. Because we're leaning on our own understanding. We're trying to control everything and we're actually the problem. And if we'd let go and say, God, I will obey you and I'll be faithful to you, but I release these cares into your hands because I can't, I, can't, I can't fix it. And Lord, I thank you. And you begin to speak out the promises of God to the Lord. All of a sudden, the peace of God will guard your mind. And what's crazy, you'll say, oh man, it was crazy. All of a sudden, I had an idea. Yeah. That's because now your mind's not double-minded. Now your mind's coming into clarity. And because what did the Bible say in Proverbs 3? Stop leaning on your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and He will direct your path. What happens when you begin to acknowledge the Lord? God, I trust you with my future. I trust you with my money. Lord, I'm giving you, I'm speaking the promises of God out to you. What does He, what does he do? Here, there's an idea, and He gives you the path. What about the peace of God guarding your emotions? Coming into a place of rest. Coming into a place of rest. <clears throat> so many strategies here, so many strategies. One, another one, let me just mention, in Matthew 6, you'll notice 
Let me, let me reference that really quick. Go back there. A couple things in Matthew 6. He says, it's a very interesting phrase. You, you might have missed it. He actually says, let me get the verse here for you. <clears throat> it's right, it's in verse 31. Listen to this. Therefore, do not worry saying. Therefore, do not worry saying. What shall we eat? What shall we wear? Let me tell you, remember we've, we've, I showed you in the Word, your tongue is the rudder of the ship. Where your tongue goes, that's where your body goes. Where your tongue goes, that's where your mind goes. That's where your faith goes. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you really believe God, what are the words that are going to come out of your mouth? How about let's change this verse. Let's turn this verse upside down. Trust me saying, God, you care about me. This is a strategy. Don't say those things. Don't say Oh man, how are we going to pay this bill? Don't say that. That's what it says. But what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Don't say it. Now, are we, you know, are we being religious? No. No, no, no. This is not mumbo jumbo. This is not like, like uh, 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 some magic thing. I'm not talking about name it and claim it. No, I'm talking it just right here. Believe God and speak thankfulness. Speak faith out loud. Don't speak words of doubt. Don't speak words like, man, I don't know. I mean, I know God, I know God, you're good, but I don't know how this is going to happen. But what if it doesn't work? You speak that stuff out of your mouth, that's what's going to release that anxiety. Another thing, another strategy here, notice what it says here, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. But seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Listen, If worry is keeping you from putting God first in your time, God first in your priorities, God first in your money, then let me give you a great solution to anxiety. Put Him first. Just do it. Proverbs chapter 3. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge the Lord, and He shall direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own understanding, He says, right? But fear the Lord. And then He says, honor the Lord with your first. Tell you. When we don't tithe and bring the whole tithe, the whole first fruits of our work into the storehouse, not only are we telling God, I don't really trust you, I actually trust more in this 10% than I do in your ability to provide for me. We're not honoring the Lord, but do you realize that actually just fuels the worry? Because you're saying, I'm my provider, and therefore that money is my provider. That's what we're saying. Same thing, right? You don't have time to seek first the Lord with your time. What you're doing is you're just going to carry that worry right into your day. But you know, it's such a truism, what Thomas and Caitlin said, that when you all of a sudden get these things in their right place. You start spending time with the Lord. You start prioritizing His glory instead of your own satisfaction. You start trusting the Lord with relationships and money and you honor Him with your wealth and you honor Him with time. It's crazy how everything falls into order. Whereas before, it was all out of order. It's such a truism. You just get the first thing straight. First things first. Prioritize. Seek first 
the kingdom. Are, are you guys catching these strategies? Do you see what I'm saying? Expose the lie of what, where you're not believing God. Do you see that? And then discover the truth. And if you don't believe that He is with you and that He's for you, you just keep flooding your heart with the Word of God until you do. You keep planting those seeds in your heart. No, you're with me. You're for me. You care about me. And then you start working these strategies. I guarantee if you'll walk in the Spirit and you'll just do what the Word says, His power will set you free. Man, I, I, the Lord has done such a great work in my heart regarding anxiety. Like I said, my dominant emotion was anxiety. I still remember when, I mean, I was, we were newly married. We bought a house. I started being the youth pastor of this church. Before I became the senior pastor, I was, helped out. And then, I, then they, they gave me the responsibility to carry the youth group. And I worked with Clint and others. I was so anxious. I was afraid of failing. I was anxious. I, 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 just, I remember sitting in my living room. We had this ugly uh, lazy boy chair and, you know, <laughs> remember that thing? Michelle's like, good thing I got rid of that, you know? And um, she didn't talk like, she doesn't talk like that. Um, it's a joke. I'm just messing around. So I remember sitting in that chair trying to spend time with God and I was like, oh my, I could not focus. I could not, I couldn't do anything. I, could, I couldn't spend time with God. I was so anxious about the mortgage and the weight of these things and taking care of a house and now I have a responsibility of a wife and the, responsibility of the youth group. I mean, all this stuff, right? And I remember the Lord giving me Psalm 23. I remember the Lord revealing to me Psalm 23. Oh, that's some good stuff right there. But again, it's not like Psalm 23 was my psalm. Psalm 23 is David's psalm. You know what I'm saying? King David. Some other dude wrote that. But why did God put it in the Bible? So that it would become my psalm. I'm telling you. And so at first it was like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have no idea what that means. You know? Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Actually, no, I'm wanting right now. You know what I mean? But all of a sudden, I began to just pray that. I began to speak that over my life. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. The rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Wait a minute. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of life. No, man, no, that's what my future holds. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. Wait a minute, there's no lack in the kingdom. Father is my shepherd. Dad is going to take care of me. Oh, I get it. If the Lord is my shepherd, I won't lack. God's going to take care of me. Oh, man, it became, it became my psalm. When, when is David singing that psalm? In the valley of the shadow of death. And even in the valley of the shadow of death, I have no idea what's going on. Before my enemies, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. He's saying, man, I got people attacking me. I got all this crazy stuff going on. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm just kicking back. Dad is going to take care of me. He's my shepherd. And you know what? Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. What, what began to happen? I, on, I, I, listen, I did not know how to get free from anxiety. What I got was Psalm 23. It's a strategy from God. He was saying, if you'll, if you'll believe these truths and you'll make that your psalm, instead of saying, what am I going to eat? If you'll say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Saying, You're going to get some breakthrough in this life. In this. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, God, God, I got a wife and, and, I, got, and I got this mortgage and, and youth group. 
I need your help. And he's like, okay, let's have a planning session. No, God's like, chill out, let it go, give it to me. Why? Because he needs to get us into a place of peace. Even recently, even recently, I was struggling with some financial stuff. Uh, just, I mean, the realities, realities, okay? We all have realities of finances, right? And there's no problem with our finances, but I said, I said, Lord, this way, let me just tell you the way I said it, because we're not, we're not necessarily struggling, but I said, I said, Lord, Lord, I, I need you to take care of this. He said, no, you don't. And I was like, okay. He says, you need me. He said, I'll take care of it. For that moment, I was putting my trust in having a certain amount of money or savings or this or that or whatever. The Lord said, and now, now believe me, I'm not talking about not being wise, right? We're talking about be faithful, be wise people, good stewards of our money. I'm not talking about not doing that. But the Lord was saying, don't trust in your savings, you trust in me. I said, okay. And guess what? I'm not worried. I'm done. I'm done worrying. I remember one time when I was really worried, years ago, worried about my own finances, worried about the church's finances, praying, crying out to God. And he said, you've got covetous in your heart, covetousness. What? I'm not, I'm like, like I don't want to like a Rolls Royce or something. You know, I wasn't like praying about some greedy thing. I was just like, Lord, I just need you to provide for the church. He's like, no, no, it's because you're trusting in somebody else or something else. Oh, so convicted, right? The Lord exposed Matthew 6. And he showed me, he said, if you can't trust me now, when I give you more, like when the church is bigger or whatever, you know, he's showing me like when, when there's more people to care for and more finances steward, so you're going to trust me then? No, you just have big more money to worry about. He said, I'm your provider. That has to be settled now. And the Lord showed me, if you don't trust me now, you'll never trust me. Oh, that, was, that was it right there. I'm telling you. My freedom came years ago when I realized, you know what? He's right. Lord, I choose to stand on your word. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to thank you. And so what happens is I can rest in the Lord now. And then when he comes through, oh, I'm, that, I'm 10 times more thankful, right? Woo, I knew you were going to come through. You know, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just saying like, oh, man, God always waits to the last minute. I can't believe God. And when we start... We're still complaining. No, instead it's like, Lord, thank you, thank you so much. You, you said you'd come through, you came through, and now I'm enjoying the blessings. And now I'm living a life of thankfulness. Amen? Amen. All right, Tom, lead us in response.